Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Welcome to today's episode of the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns. We are uh, in the Oasis, a time period where it's weird things that you don't really want to jump to the offseason fully yet because there's so much time, guys, between now and the actual stuff that matters for the next season. There's still a lot of playoff football to be played. It is genuinely a weird time. I think next week we're going to start our look back at the Browns' performances, uh, individual-based uh, performances. I think I think that's the plan is to go through a lot of individual players and give you feedback on how those guys played throughout the year. Maybe position groups. I'm not sure. It depends on how much content I think and whether each episode needs split up. We'll figure that out before next week. But we're looking at stuff this week and today. Sometimes news lands in your lap, and I, I really want to discuss some important things. That one important thing that shook out, then one speculative thing, which kind of feels like the off season in a nutshell. We're going to welcome in a good friend of mine, managing editor. Over at the Browns Wire, you know him, Jared Mueller at Jared K. Mueller on Twitter. What's up, Jared? What's happening, Jake? We are, you know, enjoying this nice cold spell we got going on here in Ohio. Yeah, it's like winter actually hits in late January. It's always how it goes. Yeah, and, and then like, it's going to be gone by like February fifth. <laughs> well, fingers crossed. I feel like we always get an April snow anymore. That's what I was going to say, and then we get that late one. <laughs> yeah, that's how it seems to go. So let's um. Let's let's switch gears here from the miserable weather and the shoveling weather. Listen, you always feel like you're in decent shape and then you go out and shovel. Always find yep. that to be funny. But <laughs> anyway, we'll we'll switch over to talk about the actual Browns. Today, Malik McDowell's situation lands. Uh, it lands in your lap and it's like, okay, you know, I'm not going to go into details of it. Pretty, pretty uh, unfortunate set of circumstances that happened with his arrest uh, down in Florida. It doesn't look good. From any angle you look at it, whether it's his personal life or professional life, the Browns are uh, walking a thin line with him as it is, and now it seems like things are going to probably be pointed towards separation. I thought McDowell had a nice year. I, I don't I don't think it was a great year. I don't even know if it was good. It was kind of average, above average, started to wear down as the season went on. But based on what happened today, Jared, I think it's safe to say a separation is in place. And I'm just kind of curious in your perspective what it means for this defensive tackle room. Maybe nothing's changed. Maybe the priority is the same. But for me, I thought, okay, it goes from a need to like now it's really a need. Like it goes from Browns need wide receiver. The second biggest need is D tack. Now it's like, okay, it's 1A, 1B to me, where I think that wide receiver is more important, but still you cannot field a, a team that's throwing out, you know, Tommy Togiai, Jordan Elliott, and and uh, Sheldon Day as your your interior defensive line rotation. I, I think that that's a pressing need now. So I'm curious if it bumped up for you or if it kind of stayed the same. You know, I think I think realistically it was actually higher for me than it was for most people anyways. Um, obviously, it's a passing league and all, all of that. We know that. But the Browns defensive tackle, the interior of their defensive line was not good last year. Like the the defense as a whole ended up playing really, really well. And somehow the interior of the defensive line was still terrible. And so, you know, if everything went perfectly, yeah, obviously a wide receiver is going to be a higher value. And even, you know, Jadavion Clowney, Tack McKinley, um, possibly both being gone or not able to play with McKinley's injury makes defensive end also really important. 
I just think the reality is, is to really um, capitalize on Miles Garrett, you need some push up the middle. Uh, we see, obviously, everybody is compared to Aaron Donald and no one is Aaron Donald. So for me, it really just uh, kind of really just solidified it as really, like you said, that 1B. I think uh, with McDowell, he's a prime example of, for both fans and media, of really low expectations or no expectations. So anytime a player with no expectations or low expectations has a couple plays here and there, he pops off the screen, all of those kind of things, we tend to remember them as, wow, they had a pretty darn good season. But we're saying that compared to really low expectations. I'll I'll out myself a little bit on, I just watched How I Met Your Father, the first episode. I had such low expectations of that show. I loved How I Met Your Mother. I had so low expectations of this new show that I got done going, oh, that was probably pretty good. Like, I, I kind of enjoyed that. And I think that's kind of what happened with Malik McDowell is, yeah, he played good here and there, but I think our expectations said he was better than he was. And the reality is the Browns need defensive linemen. And it says a little bit, some of the names you just talked about, those are Andrew Barry draft picks, right? Those are day two or early day three draft picks that I'm not sure Jordan Elliott or Tommy Togiai give us much to hang our hat on. Yeah, I, I don't I don't feel comfortable going into the situation. Not that those guys aren't NFL players and they can't be a part of what the Browns are trying to do here. But to me, it just is like it's a situation where you don't want to go into next year with those guys. Now, I don't think they will. We spent a lot of time on Monday show here at the Twitch covering some options and free agency. Uh, I just just kind of like I think the Browns really walked a, a thin line last year. Obviously, Malik Jackson ended up being an okay average to below average pickup. He was fine. But when they let go of Sheldon Richardson and and obviously didn't bring back Larry Ogunjobi, they were they were walking a fine line of just saying this is a position that we don't covet all too much and a position we don't want to dump a ton of money into and maybe we can get lucky and find one of these young guys to be ready to play. One of those young guys happened to be uh, you know, Malik McDowell in this situation of this year and he lasted the entire year and it works out in that sense. But you are going to need more and more from Togi and Elliott. I'm curious. I, I'll I'll get to those guys more in depth as the year wears on here, the offseason wears on. But like, did you see things you liked from either of those guys to feel optimistic about them? Not really. I've really been disappointed by Jordan Elliott um, since he's been drafted. He he really has just a guy feel to me. Uh, seems like a nice guy, uh, but yeah. he has just kind of just a guy. I, you don't see enough explosiveness. You don't see enough power. You just don't see enough of of enough traits to really go, OK, he's going to do anything but be kind of that fourth defensive tackle. Uh, and I had that same kind of concern with Togiai coming out. Now, he didn't do much. He wasn't on the field much, you know, as a rookie, which is, re- again, really telling when uh, you know, Malik Jackson was okay. Malik McDowell was okay. You know, and so Tommy Togia, you spend that pick on him. Um, and he was kind of that classic tweener. Uh, not, you know, he's, he's not big enough to really be that nose, but he's not really explosive enough to be that three tech uh, you want, you know, rushing the passer. So, you know, for me, I've got to see more out of Togia. I, I think I've seen enough out of Jordan Elliott to say he he's someone you want kind of as your fourth defensive tackle. Uh, and if you can upgrade, you would. Unfortunately, right now, he might be starting for the Browns. Yeah, we're going to see the value of that position, whether they think they can get by. If they bring back Clowney, whether they think they can get by sort of funneling their defense in a certain way, 
or if they think they need to prioritize it, we'll see some answers. There's a lot of veteran answers. I'll ask you this, Jared. I mean, I, I think there's veteran answers at defensive tackle, but but uh, I, I I definitely think the draft could be a route they go. But I, I'm curious what you think. Do you think they go free agency for that position, or do you think you lean toward more young players in the draft there? You know, I think Andrew Barry is a really smart guy. He might look at Elliott and Togia and go, you know what? Maybe I just need to get a guy, at least another Malik Jackson type or whatever that can do enough because I just, maybe we haven't scouted that position well enough. Um, and I think the other thing is, is just value, right? So we talked about wide receiver and defensive end. I think if you look at just a general value, those two positions just are more important. So by the time you're again, drafting really in the third round, are you going to find that player? Is there a defensive tackle in the third round who's going to be able to come in and help a team that wants to play in the playoffs? And odds are that answer is no. And so unless you're trading down to get some multiple picks and, you know, the first and second round, you really then have to kind of invest that, that some of the money then uh, in a defensive tackle or two, um, and then obviously we have Clowney kind of hanging out there who he made it really clear. He wants some money. Like that's what's going to make his decision. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. No doubt that money's going to drive his decision for making uh, part of his offseason because as much as he liked Cleveland, he liked playing with Miles, he did put up the numbers at the end of the day that are going to garner more money for him. I mean, I don't know if that comes from Cleveland. I don't know if an, a, another team has additional years they can throw it in, but they need to be strong at defensive end and linebacker if they are going to kind of play the skimp game, uh, whether that's late draft capital or, or little to no free agency capital spent on defensive tackle you have to have right you know you have your other positions around it have to elevate it I don't think that's a secret I think the Browns relied on that this year we'll see if it actually plays out next year that they go the same route like I said Calais Campbell some other Mm -hmm. guys Keen Hicks are on the market in terms of free agents that can make some sense on a short-term deal I think to me it remains most logical to go that direction because of the two young guys they have on those contracts but if they fall in love with the defensive tackle I think Jared correct me if I'm wrong here I think they have another extra third this year maybe an extra fourth it's uh, extra fourth, but it's yeah. literally at the top of the fourth round. And then the expectation is obviously Quezzy, uh, that he's going to get a uh, general manager position. So they would have an extra um, uh, compensatory a third this pick. year and a third next year. 
it would be a third this year and a third next year. Yeah. So if that comes, they basically have a late third and an early fourth that would then be extra for them. So they do have some of that kind of uh, to either move up in the second or third round. Uh, they would have some flexibility. Again, the assumption is there, obviously, that Quezzy's going to get a job this year. Glenn Cook moves up into his role. And then maybe next year, Cook gets taken as well, giving them two thirds next year and a third the following year. So four third round picks in the span of three years if both of those guys get those jobs yeah that'd be a great outcome I mean you don't want to lose smart minds in your organization but it does feel like they at least at the top of this thing have the staying power with smart minds in place to be able to handle some of these things and those are picks that are kind of additional throw not throwaway picks but you get what I'm saying they're lottery ticket picks at that point in the draft anyway I wouldn't mind taking a stab at a defensive tackle with the right athletic profile upside. Maybe a guy who didn't produce all too well in college but has the right athletic traits. That sort of thing would be fine to me uh, because those are additional picks. They're lottery picks, and you can add at a position that you're really just trying to figure out on the fly. Wouldn't bother me one bit. I want to switch real quick, Jared, before we wrap up today, uh, uh, talking about this, this Jeremy Fowler released <laughs> article. And, and listen, this is sort of hearsay stuff, but uh, this is from an NFL executive. The relationship seems salvageable. This is what I'll just read it. This is what Fowler said in case you didn't see it. The Mayfield Kevin Stefanski relationship seems salvageable and the franchise shouldn't be eager to dump a quarterback with winning experience. Even though this is kind of the headline is the Browns will look to trade him. He <laughs> says they, they shouldn't be eager to dump a quarterback with winning experience after two decades of futility in that spot. To me, it still is crazy that you can't look to upgrade, you know, just based on how bad it's been in the past. Like the past dictates the future. In terms of what you should expect, it's kind of wild. But anyway, this is a direct quote now. But at the end of the day, it's not a great fit. He'd be best in a shotgun, up-tempo offense like they have in Arizona, an NFC executive said. Who's, of course, NFC executives know best. The Browns will get rid of <laughs> the only good quarterback they've had uh, in years and fall into the same traps of the past. And, and then Fowler closes. In this scenario, Mayfield would be looking for support. If the Seahawks did move on from Wilson, I wonder if the Browns would get involved. Uh, and he says the Seattle exec, uh, Alonzo Highsmith was high on the Brown staff that drafted Mayfield and that offense, though, not like Arizona's unit could at least support him with a good running game while unlocking some of the up-tempo shotgun stuff. First of all, a lot to unpack here. Oh, geez, Seattle, yes. not an up-tempo sh- system. <laughs> they, they're not even, they're not any of that. Nonetheless, <laughs> none of it. No they, offensive they, line. No, yeah. none. <laughs> So like, okay, so this up-tempo stuff, the Browns have never really been up-tempo with Freddie. They were middle-of-the-pack shotgun offense. They did a lot of RPOs. People have asked a lot about, you know, would he be more comfortable in the gun doing RPO stuff, maybe a little bit of something he was more familiar with back at Oklahoma. Uh, But they were miserable. They were like fourth or fifth in RPO usage, but their success rate was 28th in RPOs (laughs) in 2019. Obviously, Kevin Stefanski comes in 20 and 21, and he is not put that as a part of Mayfield's game there's this weird idea floating around that he needs to go to these shotgun offenses because these are what he's best at and shotgun offenses okay for his career 1470 of his 1294 career attempts are from the shotgun over 75 percent 59 touchdowns 46 interceptions I don't know where this this notion that shotgun offenses are all of a sudden going to salvage some of the issues that Mayfield's having and again like I tweeted this out to me. It's not that, you know, Baker Mayfield's future is undefined. Like he could figure it out and be fine, but there's this notion out there that he's in the wrong offense. Okay. So this universally accepted offense that says it's best for quarterbacks and elevating their level of play is now all of a sudden after last year, 
Now it's not good for Baker Mayfield. Now it's the wrong offense, and he should revert back to the same offense, a similar structure at least, to 2019 where they did a ton of gun stuff. I think they were like 12th or 13th in shotgun usage, and that's just going to fix the the stuff that's wrong with Baker Mayfield. Like I just can't wrap my mind around it, Jared. Like is is again, the the future's not determined here, but when do we stop blaming everybody but Baker Mayfield? for the things that have gone wrong in the past. At some point, the common denominator is that the player you've gone through all these different things, all these different answers, all these different schemes, all these different coaches. And the player seems to always be the one remaining. I'm not here to tell you he can't get it right in 2022 and be an okay to good to even having a stretch of great quarterback play. His future is not determined by this, but at some point you got to stop blaming everybody else, Jared, for the issues this guy has had in his past, right? You do. And I think, I mean, it's logical at some level when people start talking about the shotgun for two reasons. One, it's the opposite of, well, last year, not, I'm sorry, not 2021, but the 2020 season, he didn't spend much time in shotgun, at least uh, based on my anecdotal thinking of the, I don't have the actual numbers in front of me, but he didn't seem to be in shotgun as much as maybe he was this year. And this year he struggled a lot. And so people are really going, well, this offense has a lot more under center and he was successful. And the second part is he was successful in Oklahoma in more of that shotgun uh, offense, obviously shotgun or not shotgun under center or not under center. Offenses are far more complicated than that. I think I got the data for us. You ready? Yeah, but yeah, hit it. Shotgun. He was in shotgun for 646 snaps, which is uh, usage percentage was 15th in the NFL in 2019. So right in middle of the middle of the road, okay. higher volume. 2020, he goes into the shotgun 429 times, 29th in the NFL. Right yep. under center, more 31st in RPO. I should have said what they did RPO wise in 20 2019. They were. Let me see here. 16th, sorry, 19th in no huddle usage in 2019. So not not a lot, not not you know, but not uh, all too small amount uh, compared to the rest of the league. Uh, they ran 109 RPO snaps, fifth most in the NFL. They were 27th in positive play percentage from those. So obviously this year he went uh, 2020. He went away from it. They only had nine RPO plays total. <laughs> bottom of the NFL, 31st, right down there near the bottom. Um, and then 2021, we say 429 shotgun snaps last year, this year, 505. So we saw an uptick in shotgun snaps this year. They had 63, no huddle snaps, which is 21st in the NFL. So yeah, yeah, man, like, you know, they, they're, they're not a huge shotgun team, but the idea with this was to give Mayfield more opportunities (laughs) and play action and deception. And if you're under center a lot, that means you're running the football quite a bit too, which they do a lot of, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, the reality is, and I've said this on uh, uh, one of the Twitches with Steven is, you know, I think OBJ and Baker actually agreed on a lot of things, which is that they wanted an offense that is far more flexible. Uh, neither of them really liked the the timing and precision style that Kevin Stefanski has, even though that offense has proven time and time again to unlock players to open things up just in general right it's a it's an offense that works because it is set up for precision timing things should work as they work I think Odell Beckham Jr. and Baker Mayfield both wanted to kind of play backyard football they wanted to to create they wanted to make things happen and and in the end that is not the system whether it's right or wrong I don't care that's not for me to judge Mm -hmm. it is just not the system and so 
you know, I think when we look at the follower article, which is just fun, right? I mean, in the end, it's fun. You know, I wrote it up on Brown's Wire. Uh, we're talking about it tonight. It is really speculation. My guess is of the three, seven different things he talked about, he probably got 20 some and they picked the most interesting ones, right? Like the seven are about Carson Wentz, Jalen Hurts, Garoppolo, uh, the one I love, Calvin Ridley, for a 2023 conditional second-round pick. Sign me up for that, um, as long as his mental health is good. Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, and Baker Mayfield. Uh, so it is just a lot of speculation. It's an NFC guy who still thinks the Browns are the Browns, right, uh, to steal from the Steelers last year, uh, because that's what he says. They'll they'll go back to kind of what they were before. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, in the end, the reality is Andrew Barry said what he said, the the report the week prior, the few days prior to the NFL Network, all of it keeps the Browns options open. They they need to look for an upgrade. Um, but I talked about it on my podcast, the Brown, Browns Wire podcast. I think the reality is, and, and I think you probably think far more intricately about this than I do. I think there are really three tiers of quarterbacks, backups, kind of okay starters who needed everything around them to be pretty good to even make it to the Super Bowl. And then you got the kind of players who can lift their team and kind of carry a team. Well, Baker is at best right now. He's in that middle group. Um, I just wonder if the Browns believe they can find somebody from that top tier. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I really, I really don't know. <laughs> I mean, the thing I think is unfortunate is that even though... You know, a lot of people are are very much on the side of of Baker Mayfield getting another year. It seems like the majority of folks understand that he's not good enough. It seems like there are two actual contingencies here. Uh, This is going to sound kind of strange, but like the people that you think are really staunch Mayfield supporters are really kind of saying there's nobody better. I don't see anybody better. And when Mm -hmm. you're kind of like, well, I don't see anybody better. What are you really saying about him? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So like the thing is, there are not many people who are pounding the table for like Mayfield is really good. There's really two sides of this. The side that thinks that they should move on and find better quarterback play and lift the basement. And another side that is basically saying, yeah, he's not very good right now. He's kind of average, but we don't see anybody better. That's sort of the main. There are outliers and some difference of opinion, but that's. Really what even some of his biggest supporters are like, yeah, I'm interested in better quarterback play, but I can't find it. So we're kind of in those two camps, and we're saying that while trying to predict what the quarterback market's going to look like in the next four months, and we don't know what that's going to look like. You never know what trades are going to surface. You never know what guys are going to be disgruntled. You really never know. So like, your opinion should be whether Mayfield is good enough or not, or if he's a problem uh, as far as, as making this Super Bowl window happen. I think people are too caught up on playing like fantasy GM here where they're trying to say, I don't see anybody better. I don't think they, this contract's not good or what is the quarterback that's here good enough or not. That's what you should be analyzing. That's what I've tried to analyze. I, I don't care whether they keep him or not. I can't change that outcome. All I can do is paint the picture of 
they should be looking for somebody better or they should be sticking with him. That's what I've tried to do as best I can. I think that there are better options out there. We'll see if any of them surface, but here's how he can get better if he ends up being the guy that's stuck here. You know what I'm saying? I do. And so for me, and this is kind of how I kind of use those tiers to help me out. I don't know if I'm spending a lot. Yes, Kirk Cousins probably is going to play better than at least Baker Mayfield definitely did last year. Derek Carr is going to do the same thing. For me, it's is that he is that good enough, right? It is definitely better, but is that good enough given whatever you might have to give up, right? Whether both in trade as well as finances and all the stuff that goes with it. And for me, that's where I really kind of struggle a little bit is, yeah, I would love to upgrade in any way, shape, or form, no matter where you see Baker Mayfield, I would love the upgrade from him. I would always love the upgrade. You know, if I need to go from Tom Brady to Aaron Rodgers, if if you consider that an upgrade or whichever order you would pair that, I'm still mm-hmm. always kind of interested in upgrading. Um, just for me, it's really about opportunity and cost. And so, you know, if I, I think Kirk Cousins is a maybe a smidge better than Baker Mayfield. I think Derek Carr is better than Baker Mayfield, but Again, how much are they are they really raising the ships? Are they making the players around them better or are they just better versions of Baker Mayfield really in that middle tier? And how much is that worth to me if I'm Andrew Barry who goes, well, maybe not. Maybe I need to be have assets, right? If we start to see some trade down for later picks, a little bit of that kind of going on. Oh, is he, you know, is he waiting to find, you know, that quarterback next year? Um, you know, whoever that might be. So, you know, that's really the hard part for me is, yeah, better is good, but is, is it good enough, right? Is it worth it? And that's, that's uh, why I get to have this conversation with you in my office while my dog's asleep and, and not, you know, possibly lose my job and never get another job in the NFL again. Like that could happen to Andrew Barry. Yeah. This decision will definitely define where the future of Barry and Stefanski go. It is, uh, it is going to change, you know, it's going to morph the franchise over the next, five to 10 years. I mean, because if you reset it, you're looking for something better and whether that happens or not, I don't know. We, we don't know uh, if they stick with Baker Mayfield and he's not good enough or he drags them down another year. It could have more ramifications, right? Cause you're not going to get anything back for him after his fifth year. You know, are you going to try to take advantage of trade value that might be out there based on some of the reports that Fowler put out there or others? I'm not sure. We'll see what shakes out so much time to decide a lot of Baker Mayfield conversations to have. But that uh, that that article from Fowler, I think, needed to be discussed because it's just some things that float out there don't make a ton of sense to me. You know, you got to <laughs> really background check some of those things in terms of like, OK, you're talking about these the shotgun offense, talking about this sort of. Have we looked at the actual data, whether the the, the supporting stuff is there? Because because what's telling you that that's actually true? I do think there's a path or. Mayfield can get back on track next year and be a version of what mm-hmm. we saw in 2020. Maybe not quite the peak in the Valley, right? Maybe not the rough, rough, rough start. Maybe not the great, great, great finish, but somewhere in the middle, he could be fine. And then you're ultimately deciding, is that kind of like Jimmy Garoppolo level play? And we can get by with that if we elevate him. So yeah. those are the big decisions that are floating out there. Ton of stuff to cover. We'll get there. We'll have Jared on many, many more times during the off season. Don't want to eat up too much more of his time. Appreciate your time, my friend. Thank you, Jared. Absolutely, buddy. Good to talk to you. All right, guys, that's a wrap for today's episode. Thanks to Jared for joining once again. Uh, one of the best. Make sure you're following him, checking out daily content. I mean, he puts it out there. Ton of stuff. Does great work. Anything you need to stay updated on the Browns, make sure you're checking out his Twitter page and checking out the Browns Wire as well. 
Uh, did a chalk talk tonight on other quarterback play across the NFL and the wild cards. Some people have been asking all offseason, like, hey, can we look at some other quarterbacks and how they're playing to compare to what you break down with Mayfield? I did that. I didn't love the exercise, but maybe you guys did. You could check it out. It's on my Twitter feed, also on the chalk talk. So uh, feel free to go back and check that out. Uh, like I said, on the Twitch feed, you can find it, the latest chalk talk. And yesterday, uh, we re-aired the show that we put on Monday uh, for the podcast, which was kind of going through initially kind of just teasing interior D-line targets and wide receiver targets the Browns could be paying attention to. Again, next week, going to really start digging back through 2021 performance reviews. Keep your eye out for that. We'll be back with another show again tomorrow. Appreciate you guys joining today's episode and supporting the OBR, whether you do so through this podcast, the, uh, the website or the Twitch channel. Thank you guys so much. Have a great, have a great Wednesday and go Browns. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.